0: Yo, what is good? It's your boy, Roy, and it's another episode of SYNC Gems. Today, I have Joel Feinberg. He's the CEO of DeWolf America, U.S., whatever you call it, where you are at. His story is nothing short of amazing. He gets into it. He's been doing music from a very young age, but he shifted into business and kind of merged it into what is the wolf now but the story that got him there is just really really insane we talk a lot about about things that make composers stand out we talk about why sometimes seasoned composers aren't as good for a library as a young and up and coming composer we talk about why you want to be productively uncomfortable. And I'll tell you this. Joel is nothing but comfortable in this industry. He has a fire under his ass and he is he's a real testament of looking for the blind spots and understanding where a new crisis can come from. And I think this Ability is so transferable to anything. So you can learn so much from him if you just take a pen and paper and write some things that he's saying because I've written down, jotted down so many points, so many pointers as we were going. Another thing that we talk about is micro sinks, which I've frowned upon for a long time. But now with the strikes coming, this may be the direction that a lot of people go to. So if you want to support this podcast, please go ahead, rate and review it. This really, really helps the podcast. You go on your mobile, on Spotify, you can five-star it. On Apple Podcasts, you can go and five-star it and also leave a review. I read every one of these. So please go ahead and do that. If you can, share the posts on socials. This also helps spread the love, spread the word, and let me know that what I am doing is great. And it also helps bring more amazing people like Joel. So hit me up on socials. And without further ado, boom, notifications are off, but they're on. We are on this podcast podcast. With Joel Feinberg, we're just c- catching him unprepared with all his notifications uh, because he's killing it, and you know, like he, he needs to show it to the to the people. So, uh, how you been, Joel?
1: <laughs>
0: well, I'm notified
1: over and over again. Uh, I'm great, Roy. It's a pleasure to meet you. Thanks for asking me on here. Um, things are good. Um, I'm off work now, and so now I can talk about it about all of my adventures with you. And um, it's really great to to be able to do this um, across the world. Um, I know know this is like normal technology, but I got into the business. um, We weren't even like streaming online yet on the internet. We were still sending CDs to people to listen to for pitching. And uh, so Mm -hmm. I'm still, even now in 2023, like, wow. I mean, just somebody in Bali calls me up. We're doing, doing a podcast. So um, thanks for reaching out. And uh, I'd love to talk about Sync. Um, I have been uh, in Sync for just, I believe, yeah, just about 20 years. And um, in fact, um, we, we were just celebrating um, 10 years of, of the organization DeWolf Music USA, which I'll talk about how that came to be. Um, but that's when I first um, started running um, the company. After being uh, a part of the company, a part of the Wolf Music, for ten years prior to that. Um, so just this July, it's been ten years since um, since we started up as the Wolf Music USA. Um, what is the Wolf Music? The Wolf Music is an international corporation, and we're still independent. Um, we were founded in 1909 uh, during the silent film era. And uh, we're still family owned by the DeWolf family. So the headquarters is based in London, and I run the USA um, sister company. And then we have 46 sub publishers that also represent our music in 46 other com- uh, countries. So um, primarily I deal with the United States, but You know, as time goes on, um, you know, I'm getting more and more involved with all the things that are happening globally with DeWolf Music. Um, Warren DeWolf now um, runs um, DeWolf Limited, which is the headquarters in London, and um, he's been a mentor, a friend, and uh, has taught me so much about the business in the last 20 years. it's such a fluid market, though. I mean, I still feel like I'm learning new things every day and adjusting. So it's a very interesting. Um, it's been an interesting ride. And it's it's every day is different. A um, little bit about myself. Um, I wanted to be a musician since I was 12. And so professional musician. So I've, I've been on that track playing music. Um, you know, since elementary school, up until just a few minutes ago, um, playing, writing music, composing, performing, all that stuff. Um, I went to college for um, music education. Um, that, that morphed into music performance. Um, I was studying classical guitar, um, all sorts of guitar music, and um, all sorts of other instruments. But at the end of the day, when it was time to sort of Enter the work world. I was a little nervous about being a classical guitar player. Uh, I just didn't see that many job opportunities out there. And I, I have other ambitions aside from just music. I, I, I wanted, wanted to be successful no matter what I did. So I kind of saw classical guitars a little frightening to be uh, for me. Um, that just looked like teaching and, uh, you know, doing gigs and libraries and. And weddings and, and such, which was fine, but it, it didn't seem like a sustainable future. I had like higher um, sort of goals in mind. So um, fast forward, graduated. I got into the TV business for a while and uh, working on various shows um, with networks. Um, and then I was, which wasn't great. That was you know not not really exactly what I wanted to do. Moonlighting as a musician at nighttime that morphed into other types of, um, business development type jobs. Um, they were just paying a lot of money in the nineties. And, um, that was right when the internet started, uh, which is crazy. But, um, when the internet started 1.0, um, there was all sorts of different opportunities out there. It's such a different time now that it's almost hard to imagine, uh, especially for someone that didn't live (laughs) through the nineties, um, to transition from, not having an internet to that becoming the, the possible future, um, it was it was insane, mm. and um, there was just a lot of money um, to be made uh, with all this experimentation into the uh, the web, and so I took some business development jobs just because they paid so well, and uh, made a bunch of money. I spent it all on musical instruments and all my musical endeavors. And, um, but I, what I gained was a lot of skill in business and, um, I didn't know if that was going to really carry over for the rest of my career, but, uh, turns out it did. Um, the job that I had at the time was cut short because of nine eleven, and I was living in the city at that time. I lived through all that. Um, but what had happened after that was, um, wow. there weren't any jobs. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, aside from being a crazy time, I was I was working as a headhunter back then, getting tech jobs for programmers for web big web companies that most of them don't even exist anymore, uh, like Ask Jeeves and things like that that are just a joke now. But um, all of that was shut off after 9-11 for where I was. And um, so I didn't really have um, a path at that time that I took that time to sort of um just take a moment. And um that was about a year uh that I wasn't working. Um another passion of mine was martial arts, so that's basically all I did for from like sun up to sundown was martial arts and do these tournaments and all this stuff, and I just made that a regimen. Um so once the job market started to pick up again a little bit, um They weren't great jobs. I just took any old job. And I took some really um, kind of uh, bottom feeder sales job. And um, it was awful, but I did it for two years and I excelled at it. Um, I'm telling you all this stuff, not because it's, um, it may not be the most interesting thing to your viewers, but it shows like a history that's completely different than I'm going to be a composer or I'm going into the music business and I'm going to, you know, get a degree in the music business and get my job and work my way out. But that's not really how it happened for me at all. When I, when I reentered the, um, when I reentered the job market post 9-11, there weren't really great jobs available. So I took anything just to make money. And, um, it was perseverance really that, that just drove me, um, so no matter what i was going to try to succeed um even if things weren't exactly what i wanted to do all i wanted to do was be involved in the music industry um in some way but that wasn't very possible after 9-11 so um i worked for a couple years made, made a bunch of money just doing more business development type stuff and um you know there was a time where i i sort of figured out that this company that i had been working for wasn't really the best fit for me. Um, they just weren't doing things that were even legal. And it was a very strange scenario. I wasn't happy there anyway. So I randomly quit. Um, and, um, I had to quit on a Friday because they had a habit of like not paying people that quit. So I made sure that I made sure there was money that was deposited in my bank. Then I walked upstairs and I quit my job. And, um, it was kind of a leap of faith. I didn't have anything lined up. I had other types of jobs that I probably could have gotten, but I didn't want to do this kind of business stuff anymore. Um, this type of business development in the tech world. So, um, I did what anybody did back then, um, before the internet was really taking off. And, um, I looked in the newspaper and the New York times and lo and behold, there was an ad, um, looking for someone that had business development and music experience. And that turned out to be the sub publisher that was representing DeWolf Music in the United States. And um, they had been doing that for about 50 years before they saw me. And, um, you know, I, I understood what it was all about. I listened to the music, I knew some of the music already because <laughs> I actually liked some of the music um, and recognized some of the music from TV that I'd been watching at that time. Um, Specifically, the guitar music that um, that used to be on the Weather Channel. <laughs> I don't know if you remember. You probably don't know any of this stuff because you're in Bali.
0: But um, yeah, no, I, I grew up in in Israel though. But, okay. Uh, like, yeah.
1: No, oh, that's funny. Yeah, I mean, early versions of the of the Weather Channel. There used to be. It was like all chroma key. Um, they would just kind of really just type the what the weather was like on the screen and they would play this music nonstop. And there was one song that kind of like George Benson. And, uh, it was like George Benson style guitar playing. And I just loved that song growing up. And then I found out that it was DeWolf music and, uh, I had to have a job. Um, so I went in and I got the job, uh, on that Monday. I just went in there focused and, and got it. So, um, you know, That's when I really started to cut my teeth in the business. Um, So it was learning everything um, from publishing to, to pitching, to relationships. Um, In those days we were literally had to have a relationship on the telephone, maybe email, but you had to speak to somebody because you had to, you had to get their information. So you can send them CDs based on what they wanted. Back in those days, we had a librarian just with a wall filled with CDs. And you I mean, we would get music requests. We would go in there and talk with them tell them what they wanted and he would go and do music searches, but it was all physical. <laughs> so it was, it's an interesting, um, fast forward from that point. But, uh, within that time, I, I, I learned quickly. I worked really hard. Um, I had all sorts of adventures, um, I ended up, you know, sort of running the, running the, um, the licensing team at, at one point. And, um, And then I got a call one weekend, Um, I was teaching a a martial arts class and um, I got a call from Warren DeWolf and, you know, he wanted to know how I was doing and, you know, if everything was, if I was going to be okay and all this stuff. And I had no idea what he was talking about, but it turns out that my, um, um, my office, the sub publisher decided to retire, but they didn't tell any of the staff. And um, I guess the office was closing in a matter of weeks, so like you know, it was kind of a, a, a shock, obviously. But um, I had no idea what was going to happen next. I, I pretty much assumed that you know some other uh, company was going to absorb the DeWolf Wolf catalogs. Um, by then, the major labels had gotten involved in the library business. Um, Prior to that, when I started, you know, there was really no universal um, music production music. No. They they got into it um, right around um, right after the Napster years. That's when they started buying the competitors and bulking up. But prior to that, they were all private companies that were sort of the um, the leaders of the, of the gang in a way the, the leaders of the, mm. of the industry, it was, uh, to Wolf, it was first calm. Um, there was companies you don't even know about anymore because they've been absorbed by the major labels. Um, so I sort of assumed that that's what was going to happen to us. And so in that phone call, when I, when I found out that we were closing it, you know, I thanked them. I had a relationship with the dual family separately. I'd, met them many, many times, communicated with them. Um, and then I asked if, if they needed some kind of liaison for whatever was going to happen. I'd be, I'd be happy to do that, whatever whatever role I can fill. And then, um, you know, he said, hold on a minute, hold on a minute. And and <laughs> he proceeded to ask me if, if, if I had any interest in, um, instead of, you know, setting up another sub-publishing entity, if I was interested in setting up, um, a direct company under the headquarters, a sister company, really, um, where we would work in tandem in both territories. And he wanted to know if I wanted to head that. And, you know, it was the craziest call of my life. Um, one minute, 10 years, I'm, I'm at DeWolf, and then the sub-publisher. And then in one phone call, it's completely over. And then I'm asked to to run a new company, uh, with DeWolf directly. So it was crazy. It was a crazy time. Um, and it was very challenging time (laughs) to try to do this. And you have to do these things quietly and, you know, fly across to London to, to, to communicate with the, the headquarters, um, try to, try to do this, um, while the current office is closing. It was a really, really crazy time, Roy. It was, uh, Mm -hmm. I learned so much about, you know, grace under pressure and and trying to just, um, stay focused, uh, no matter what, and and really, you have to really grow up quickly when those things happen. And, uh, fortunately I had 10 wonderful years before that. So I, I knew the business inside and out. So, um, and that was a little over 10 years ago, um, today, we opened up in July, as do Wolf Music USA. After that, and that was July of two thousand and thirteen. So right now, we're celebrating ten years have um, gone by since that um, that happened. And um, I gotta say, man, it's been uh, it's been an amazing ride, and I feel like one of the luckiest guys on the planet. Um, my job duties are could be anything from pitching to like everybody else to obviously management, um, production, um, earlier on, it was composing, um, you name it, I do it. Um, but really I think what, what drives the company is not just me. It's, it's, it's the staff I have. We've all been together for 10 years or more. Um, the London office has been amazing, and, it's, and their knowledge, you know, spans almost 115 years. We were one of the first libraries ever, and we started in silent film. So there was only one or two other companies that realized that instead of using classical music for silent film, that you could actually create your own music, retain the publishing, and then license it again elsewhere. That was a brand new concept in, in the early 1900s. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, again, I'm, I'm just very grateful um, to be a part of that history. It's a very long history. Um, you know, there's there's just tons of contributions that we've done, maybe, maybe in the background, but um, important contributions through the zeitgeist of pop culture globally in 48 different countries. It's incredible when I think about it that way. But, um, a lot of the reason why I got to be in this position, um, I think was, I think it boils down to a lot of the same sort of things that composers um, producers have to abide by for their own success. Um, not every single day you're going to see results and there there's no one really there to applaud you as you make your steps you just have to do it and that that's the same thing when you're writing music or pitching or, or building a catalog for yourself so um it was the same for me and um, when i was before I, I took over as ceo of wolf music usa it was the same i mean i was sort of i had a staff but Really it was up to us to build our own businesses with the catalog. We had great relationships in the industry and the job was to maintain those relationships and grow those relationships and grow more relationships, I should say. And that's what we did. And that, that kind of never ends. So um, man, you name it. I've done it. And including navigate through a pandemic, <laughs> which was a whole other mm. ball of wax. But then um, mm-hmm. that was going digital for the first time. We're not in an office anymore, but we, most, most of my career has been in an office. And um, mm-hmm. so converting to digital was surprisingly quick. We did it in four days. And um, I thought that was, that was crazy, but it was easy, way easier than I thought. Yeah, it was, um, I had moved upstate um, years before COVID. So I was commuting into the city and it was like two hours each way sometimes. Oh my and, gosh! Um, yeah, I got really tired of it, so I ended up just sleeping in the office a couple of nights, and then coming back upstate. But I was sleeping in, uh, in the office during uh, when when COVID first hit New York City, and um, it was an interesting drive back. It was pretty clear, pretty clear to me what what needed to happen. So I ended up, I never went back except to just grab um, to close it. Um, I I knew we had to get out of there before the chaos started. And so that was my goal, um, to try to get out of there, to try to not have any liabilities before things got really crazy. And, um, I won't get into the details on that one, but there were plenty of liabilities and somehow, yeah, I just, uh, I was able to jump on it early and get out of all the obligations. Um, so we, we kind of. Avoided a lot of financial disaster, just, just with having physical space you have to pay for, all that other stuff. We avoided all of that. So um, by the time I came back from that drive home, I was already looking at Microsoft Teams. Within two or three days, we were, all, we were up and running, pretty much. And then uh, started to build a new company digitally. So but that's kind of what it is. I mean, this game is never—you can never really rest in your laurels. It's always changing. Look at us now—we're we're in the United States. We have um, we have rider strikes and, and actor, sack strikes. Um, I've lived through that before as well, but this is different with with two different striking entities and the big, you know, artificial intelligence question that's that's not answered. And um, so the the industry is going to change again. And right now, you know, we're fine, but at some point, scripted television gigs are going to run out real soon. Um, There's still a lot of post-production happening right now, which has been great, but um, thankfully in our business and for composers too, um, that write for the library, um, there's more to that pie than just scripted, scripted shows and films, and um, we had already been refocusing and looking at all the other markets that use music. They may not be as glamorous as, you know, the hit, the hit film or hit show or whatever it is, but when you're thinking about business, um, there's actually more business more consistent business, um, in, in other areas. And it's, it's about being ready for that. There's so many times where I see competitors, even, uh, whether they're composers or whether they're companies that I feel like they, they might, you know, their focus is on one thing and some of them do really well and really make a name for themselves. Um, but there's always that danger of things drying up or that door being closed in, in one specific market. And um, for me, I've always wanted to be diversified. Um, I've always wanted to um, make sure that um, I have things covered for the future. So I was always kind of looking ahead to make sure that I'm moving forward, or the company I'm with, we're moving forward, or we're, we're ready for anything. But um, yeah, in times like this, you, you know, you see, you're going to start seeing people sweat it out a little bit.
0: A hundred percent. Hundred yeah. percent, That 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 was perfect. Um, there's so much. There's so much that you've said that uh, brings up brings up questions. Uh, I would love to after that elaborate and get back into the strikes and uh, what's happening on that front and yeah. how you how you observe that and also, um, I would love to ask you a more specific question, which is what um since you've you've done it all like you've really done it all and it feels like to me and you're so well-rounded with what's going uh, on inside libraries and labels and publishers and all of these things what abilities do you think um, composers need to have more of from the business side
1: Well, I mean, every composer is different. I mean, I have I've worked with composers that that have everything, but but you know, I think that there's a there's a road to get to that real competent composer level, um, and it's sort of a mixed bag um, on the business side. G- You know, what is a composer these days, first of all? Because a lot of people are making music, right? There's a lot of people that are producing songs. Um, Some of them can't read music and some of them really don't compose in a way that is flexible for them to be more valuable. This is kind of the same thing on the business side. I think that composers in this business already have that, they understand that the business aspect of it. So they're the ones that understand how to sort of approach and build relationships, how to email in a professional manner, um, how to um, present their works, um, present themselves, all of these things that anybody in any business has to do to try as, as it does, you know, on the creative side, it may seem frivolous, but making a good impression makes people feel comfortable. It makes people feel um, that you're putting in an effort um, to, to work in tandem. Um, all of these are real subtle things, but the subtleties is what I feel that many of the, the people that are making music and composing for library are missing. And um, so, I mean, there's I could go through a laundry list, but I think I just wanted to try to get the concept. It's, it's the subtleties that are overlooked or never looked at at all. And, um, you know, rejection should be expected. And there shouldn't be anything. There's nothing wrong with that. I've been, I mean, Roy, I mean, you said I've seen it and done it all. I would say no. I, I don't know what's next, man. You know, like, the only thing I know for sure is that this thing is always going to be changing. And there's going to be new challenges ahead. Always. And new. new and you're going to have to reinvent yourself and evolve and evolve and evolve. But that's why it's so important to present yourself in a way that's consistent so no matter what happens people know where you're at by the presentation you give so when composers are forgetting to you know they're just sending files in 2023 not having a presentable um cv or or something that um that's sort of the standard um or they're not um community they're not listening during the communication you know, they're, they're asking and asking and asking um, or talking and talking and talking. Um, all of these subtle things um, can create that impression. And I mean, if you just want to, if you want to drill down, I mean, what, what are composers, what are they, what are many composers missing right now? Um, they don't do their research before they pitch their music. So they don't really know where their music sits in the industry. When I know, like I'll know, I know immediately when there's a seasoned professional composer emailing me as opposed to someone that really doesn't know what they're doing, no matter how good their music is. Um, you can tell by the way it's written. Um, you can tell by the words that they use to describe their music. Um, very often they don't even go to your website to see what, what might be missing in your catalog. Um, it's really just kind of throwing things in the wall and seeing what sticks and that's fine. The problem with it is that there's so much competition that there's a lot of emails to get through. And many, very often you don't even get through it. If I, If I see like, I can almost hear the music when I start reading certain emails, like don't click on that music. Because you know the production is not going to be there. <laughs> nine, nine times out of ten. You know, nine and a half times out of ten. Um, it's it's not produced. I mean, these people are living in a dream world. I'm not saying that to degrade anybody's efforts. Um, I'm saying that because that person didn't do the research. And have like a really honest um, look in the mirror um, they didn't really ab their music against what's happening out there, and have and, and honestly evaluate that to get it, you know, at to a certain place. Um, it's actually very hard to find a good composer to work with. We, I'm working on records now, um, and it takes a while before I settle into a project with someone because you're getting into a project with someone. You know that could take months, and uh, if it's if the person doesn't communicate well, or they don't understand, or they're not going to get it, I mean, th- those are months that are wasted, um, and a project could get dropped for that because it's and that and then my name is on that. I sign, you know, when when I'm signing off to a project, I'm putting my name on that project. So if it goes south and it falls apart, and I made, I made a bad judgment call. Um, So it really is a two-way street, and that's why the importance of professionalism when you're communicating, um, registering your works properly, understanding um, how PROs work, understanding publishing, um, understanding the nuances of the music that you're you're creating so that you can adjust if, if things are needed. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how many composers you talk to, but um, I think there's a lot of emotion wrapped up in in their art, and sometimes they carry that into the business a little too much.
0: You can't see yeah. my face, but
1: I, I gave you like the, the look.
0: Let that sink. No, I'm not, I'm letting that sink to to anyone listening because that's that's 100, and that's something that uh, I'm I'm completely. Uh, battling with every day, but it's it's uh, as an artist. But it's it's so 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 important to be able to put that aside, no matter what energy is swelling within. To just trust the fact that a person on the other side is putting their chips on you when they're when they're even uh, uh, talking with you and giving you giving you um, notes on your music and um and and that's an important thing like to f- to to actually feel feel blessed because this person is actually in a, a lot of the cases they want they want you to win so so that's uh that's a great and fresh perspective to look at it because i think until this moment, a lot of people would talk about the email thing, uh, they would less talk about how they are invested in the composer they're working with, if they're uh, coming from the publisher's side, that's to say. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can't speak and, for
1: every library or, or every publisher, but it's a risk starting a project. You never know. I mean, we can't buy every single record that we, that we hear. Yeah. It's not even just the money it's the time and um you don't if you if we put bad records on our on our website our clients are going to get an impression i mean it just it, it's all connected if a record comes out and it's not good that makes the whole company look bad that's 48 countries what the hell is that is that what the wolf music is now and so there's always a pressure um to have a certain level um of quality and presentation. And it, it just, it can't be achieved by me alone. It has to be a partnership. So it's important for me to know that the person I'm working with is on, on top of their game, um, so that we can, um, communicate effectively, quickly, um, change and shift as needed. And, and really just kind of, it makes the whole project a more positive experience. Um, Yes. But I'm not sure why, but for some reason, um, the majority of the submissions I get, um, they don't really have that kind of um, gumption on the business side. They may be fantastic composers and, and such, but um, I would say 30% of the emails I get are just truly professional um, composers that understand this business, they've been doing it, um, and they, they know how the pace sort of plays out, um, and it's, it's a joy to do that. Unfortunately another thing is that you can't always rely on seasoned composers that's another that's another danger um, on one side you have these young and hungry people trying to break in and some of them really come they're on top of what's happening as far as new sounds that are becoming that are trending in the in the uh, business so sometimes they're gonna have sounds that the experienced composers that are great on the business side don't have. Um, I get a lot of, sometimes I I get, I get into really good conversations with people and I'm like, man, this guy's great. Um, But when I listen to the music, it sounds dated or it sounds like the way library music sounded four or five years ago, 10 years ago. And um, I think complacency can, can, can get you on either side of that coin. So they may have, maybe they went too far into the business. Maybe they forgot to check out new stuff and maybe not judge new stuff just because younger people like it and they're old now. Um, I always resist that. I jump right into anything (laughs) when it comes to like any new weird, you know, new styles that come up or as, as music evolves I'm just open to it um, mm.
0: so it's really- that's a huge thing by the way. that's a huge thing you've just mentioned um to be able to have longevity in this business, I feel like as a composer, we have to be uh, um we have to be soft, we have to be soft from the inside and and really let us uh, um uh, um really define ourselves by where things are going and not only by where we are at right because it's so important because again the world is going somewhere and and it's always it's always super important to listen where it's going and then I mean that's how I feel like I create I create art that is, uh, I, I put it on my on my Instagram, and uh, the way that I, I create art is I, I put out the first thoughts that come in my mind, like the purest, purest, purest things. Yesterday, I put up a video of me beatboxing and then creating a whole uh, uh, track out of it, a whole banger out of it. Yeah. But the, the thing was, it started from a really sincere place, but then I was like, okay, what can I do to make this fresh, current, and banging, and then like I, I put it in in something that is kind of industry standard in a way, but I put my feelings like I mean I, I did put my soul and heart in it, and it is unique. That being said, it fits what is happening right if that makes sense. and I feel like uh, uh, some composers I'm missing that as well.
1: Yeah, when you do enough like you know kind of bland rock records it's really easy to just mm. dial it in. You know, um, there was a composer that we had for, I don't know, 20 years and he just quit. He just stopped the library business for him. It was a job and he made enough money and he was like, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm. So like uninspired, you know, and, um, I'm happy for him. I mean, he made his money and he, he did his thing. Um, but if you want the longevity, um, you have to be malleable and you have to be, um, if at that point you already have the business skills, so maybe put that down and get a little, get a little crazy with the stuff. Listen to things, try new Mm. things, technology, um, Mm. plugins, whatever, um, Everything's changing. The way people play guitar is different now. Hundred percent. You can't rely on the same stuff that you cut your teeth on.
0: Yep. Um, yep. Yep. I, I feel like it's also, you know, it's also a sign to to to, to move. Um, uh, it's it's also a sign to move away from what you are doing if yep. you don't have any emotion as you are doing it. I think right. that's what uh, a big thing that I hear from what you are saying. And I, I'm absolutely loving it because it is, um, it is, you know, I had, I had Tom on the, on the podcast from brand X and he just like the passion you see on that dude, it's just like, it, it, it doesn't get old. I still have it with me now after maybe um, four months of doing this interview. I still, I still can remember this dude's like this, this dude's, childlike smile uh, smile when you speak to him about music and it's just that's exactly what I what I hear from you it's like of course it's not going to happen by himself by itself but you have to research what's the next frontier even within music uh as a composer and that's what I feel like composers with longevity which I would define as success as well because uh, um when 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 somebody asks you are are you gonna ma- are you gonna compose music in, in twenty years and you have to think about it, it means that maybe you have to uh, um, think of a new direction of going. Because mm. uh if you ask me right now if I'll make music in twenty years, in a set in a heartbeat, I would say yes. Hell yes. Same here, I'll be um, doing
1: I'm not doing anything else. Yeah. Come yeah. hell or high water. And and yes. that's why I kinda went into that lengthy life story because that's exactly why I am the way I am, and why I, I said the way what I said um, about this business and about composers and, and, and sort of the mentality. My life mirrors that. My whole professional career mirrors that. It's one, you know, every time I got settled and made a bunch of money, some fucking disaster happened, <laughs> you know, or something happened. The rug gets pulled, and that's going to happen. And you don't want it to happen when you're not, when it, you don't want to, you don't want to ignore it when it's, if you're starting to see signs of it, is all I'm saying. The most recent one was the pandemic. I saw the writing on the wall the night it hit New York City. Like I, as soon as it hit for me, as, it, you know, I knew like all life was going to change. And there weren't a lot of people saying that back then not not the first day it hit in America but that night i knew like oh shit you know using like a musician's reference like i can't play this kind of music anymore mm. and that's frightening but um i've got all my instruments and i'm going to we're going to make a new sound that's exactly what we did but my whole life story's been like that and um That's kind of what I was trying to put together with my personal life story, how it correlates with um, the library game, composing, and on my side, too, on the publishing side. Um, They're all kind of similar. Things are going to change. Um, So you want to build something that will never change, and that's how you deal with everything. That's your presentation. That's your, that's your business emails. That's what you say, what you do, the relationships you make, um, how malleable you are. Um, when, when the times call for change, um, are you ready for it? Are you even willing to accept it? It's, it's, it's like that. And, um, you know, it's a hard thing to do, um, in a way, but I think it's, you don't want to move so fast that you don't ever build any a signature sound etc i'm not saying that but um but you always want to you'd never want to just rest on your laurels or or think that you've got it all figured out in a way you always want to keep going um so yeah i mean if you're writing music and it becomes a job or the, or you templates are fine those are i'm not talking about like a you know, like a logic template so you can crank out a record quickly. But, um, if that's all, if you start relying on that, you might need to just stop the templates, start listening and build new ones. And, um, it's almost a good exercise to do even when things are good, um, to stay fresh, um, to, to, branch out beyond what you're, what you've done before. Um, because I think it, for a lot of people that could happen, without warning and maybe undetected until it's you're, you're pretty far behind. That's the hardest thing for me to do is to tell a really good composer that this is all dated. Mm. You know, I already, I mean, I know that some of these people have been at it as long as I've been at it, maybe longer. Yeah, but it is what it is. I have to say that to myself. Um, Things are the way they are. You either recognize that and and, and adjust or don't um but it's never going to be the same like what's going to happen next with ai um Hmm. where are those composers going to be then i don't i don't think it's something that that's going to decimate composition but there's a lot of people out there that are that you know they'll, they'll they swear they're never going to touch it. They're never going to do this. And some people think that's all they're going to do. I don't know what the answer is. It doesn't matter. The fact is things are changing and you want to take note and you want to know what's out there and you want to be prepared. Um,
0: yeah, I, I, I resonate so highly with so much of what you said. Uh, first of all, the resiliency part and being able to... Um, to have a hard experience, in my opinion, one time in your life that really changes everything. Yep. Um, uh, I've, I've had a few of these, especially when I lived in New York, uh, when I, I moved into New York and uh, suddenly I got this. I, I moved there dead broke. I, I stayed dead broke for a while, um, but I had to at some point sell all my uh, equipment back in israel which is like i had a gretsch guitar i had a fender strat i had like i had just like these beautiful beautiful pieces uh that i've collected um and it was very hard it was it was a part of my heart it was the guitars i started uh, i started from and i got to where i am and I, um as i i had to sell them um it kind of it was very sad for me i i I, it was really, I felt it in my heart. But having the need to do that has enabled me to stay motivated so I can have this kind of equipment again. And now I, I, don't, I don't play my guitars as much, but now that I have a studio, I just got two guitars as a token of this is, this you're, you're back at it kind of thing. Like you, yeah, you've, you've made it. You made it. It was ten years ago, and now it, ten years later, I just got guitars that stand in my room and, and it's like my token of gratitude to all this to to me staying uh, in the game mm-hmm. and and you know like it's, it's a piece of inf- it's a piece that keeps coming back, like the keep going part um, and also understanding that there 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 will be really Hard times to this to this business to this everything and and the thing that will stand in front of everything is your personality and your your perseverance that's what will that's what makes uh, uh, a great great in my opinion the perseverance
1: it's the truth because the perseverance is going to like drive you to compose more music and um that's another that's another danger is when people really they create a record and they just turn it into like, like their child. Um, They don't make enough music and wonder why they're not successful, you know, and get so much bitterness sometimes, you know, sometimes the record just doesn't sell. But you got it. Sometimes the one you didn't have your heart in is the one that goes. But you'll never know unless you do it, and um, and the library game is changing like crazy. Um, libraries, you know, they're they're paying upfront fees less and less. It used to be you get a commission, like guaranteed, but that's like a rarity now. There's so many libraries that just don't do that anymore, and there's plenty of money to be made even without that upfront fee, but it's going to require volume. You might want to make like a hundred of those rock songs that you did, instead of just trying to sell like a 13, 14 track EP for that upfront fee. You could spend a year trying to like pitch that record. Right. And that's, um, yeah, that's frustrating when nobody takes it, but if you don't have anything else, Except for that record, you're in deep trouble. Um, and it's a hard thing to accept when things change, but that's kind of the name of the game. And um, volume, flexibility, and, 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 and passion is where it's at. Um, this is a privileged business, from what I as far as I'm concerned. Everybody that's in this business that's making money and, and living off of it is a privileged life. Um, it's fine to have your passions, but there's plenty of people that have maybe more passion than you or I that are, that are stuck in positions. Um, that, you know, we, we couldn't even imagine. And, um, you know, to overlook the privilege of what we do, you're going to miss out on the joy of just making music and working. And you might lose some of your drive that way. Um, you know, I've been I've been doing this for 20 years. I've had my phases of taking this position for granted and what I do. But um, that didn't last very long because... The world outside of what I do is not something I want to be a part of professionally. <laughs> I've done those other jobs. Fortunately, I had a, lot, I had a bunch of other like, jobs before this and things I didn't like. It was very clear to me how lucky I am. When I, first, <laughs> when I heard that Weather Channel song and like, oh my God, I'm going to work for this company that, that wrote this cheesy, bland, smooth jazz song, for me, it was the greatest thing in the world. And I was I couldn't believe it. i like, I made it. These guys made the Weather Channel song that I love. <laughs> it's laughable, but it's like, there's a lot of truth behind that because it is a privilege in a way. Otherwise I'm wearing khaki pants and a collared shirt and doing something I don't want to do for eight or nine hours a day. And, um, I don't know. Sometimes like, uh, on the, as far as going back to your original question, sometimes, yeah, there's like this weird expectation I get from composers, you know? I don't know if that's sort of just presenting themselves as a confident person or if they actually believe that, um, any of us is guaranteed to succeed in this business. I don't know. But I don't, yeah, I don't do that. even 20 years into it every day. I, I'm like, okay, I got to make, how, how am I going to move the chains forward today? What am I going to do today? Um, that's going to be different than whatever, what I've done ever.
0: That shows growth mindset for sure. Um, there's, there's, uh, there's a book about about growth mindset I've, and and there's a bunch of lectures about growth mindset i i recommend anybody who listens and just goes check and checks it out uh, i think it's growth mindset versus oh, i forgot the name of the other one but it's uh, um not stagnant mindset but there's uh, um there are people who are like this and are like that and 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 it's it's kind of funny to to, to put the to put people into two groups, uh, but this is actually what 's happening. you see uh jaded I see jaded people used to see jaded jaded people all around me who just keep doing the same things and the same things and the same things and expecting different results and uh and to be honest like I feel like what has opened libraries to me wasn 't actually how uh, um how amazing i am as a composer but the me actually coming up there and saying hey i don't know enough like i don't i know enough to compose a good record but i'm i don't know sometimes that vulnerability was actually what got me into the rooms with people yeah um the the fact that i'm i'm saying hey i'm 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 doing this but i'm I would love your help and guidance if if that if that's something you're interested to give i think i I know i 'm good enough to to make this album for you, but this is where i 'm at, and a lot of the times this this vulnerability is what makes people actually want to roll with me, you know. So yeah. It's what brings me into into rooms with with again with people like you you know like uh, uh, if I would think about a person like you five years ago, I wouldn't even think about talking to you because it, it wasn't it just wasn't in my in my uh, uh, in my head like I, I, I in in my mind I wasn't there um but now I'm listening to this information and it's kind of similar because I'm, I, I don't think I have things figured out. And, and I think people who are listening to this podcast are people who don't have things figured out and they know it. They just want to understand. You know, there, there are composers that are getting weekly trailers that are listening to this podcast. I have no fucking idea why. But that shows that these people have the, the, the mindset to see to, to To learn, to keep learning, as they are uh, searching the landscapes, as they are uh, learning their own skills, as they are figuring out what's their what's the next what's their next edge, right. and that's what I'm what, that's what I'm hearing from you. That's it, it, the the music industry and and any industry for that fact will stay that way forever.
1: Right, it's so true. Even now, especially now, with the, with the strikes going on. A lot of people, you know, they have it in their mind that success equals the most popular sinks, the ones that everybody covets. And those people are the most scared right now, right? Um, There's plenty of work to do. If you want to make music for a living. Um, there's plenty of work to do. Even myself we do I mean DeWolf has been great. We've had we've been on um, we've been doing great over the last even during COVID we were killing it. Uh, with, with the content and, and Netflix every day uh, the syncs and and films and all that stuff it's great. All that's being shut off right now. You know What's going to be, I don't know how long this thing's going to go on, but what happened last time, because I lived through the last strike, I don't remember, I can't remember what it was, like 10 years ago or something, maybe more. But that's when reality, like really, reality programming, like that's when the golden era, if you want to call it that, of reality TV, that's when that really cropped up. Um, It may not even be television. Um, It could be any kind of media. And so for for someone like me, like when the strikes, even before the strikes were happening, I was getting like a weird, um, just a gut feeling that happens to me every now and then. And it's not something I want to ignore. Um, When there were rumblings of that, it just, even way before the strike, the possibility of something, of a strike was all I needed to hear to start to evaluate, where are we putting our music? And um, I didn't like the fact that we were, it was like a duality. I love the fact that we were doing so much television and so much um, scripted TV. What I didn't like was that um, all these other sectors that aren't as glamorous that nobody knows about, you know, um, in Hollywood, at least all these other sectors, we need to refresh that and we need to move. Like we, we, have a lot of, um, we we had a lot of accounts just that were colleges that, that used our music. It's not really a lot of money, but when you have thousands of colleges that are, that are subscribing to your music, it is a lot of money. Um, a lot of composers they don't think that way. They're not. They're not thinking that, you know. I need to make music for like college promos, or, <laughs> or um, students that are doing video editing. Video editing.
0: It's just one micro syncs yeah.
1: Yeah, micro syncs whatever. Um, that's right. But guess what? Like right now, it's like a pyramid. You know, I mean, the micro syncs are. If you if you if you look at a pyramid, the widest part of a pyramid is the base. In this business, the top of the pyramid, of the you know, that's the top of the triangle. Um, that's that's the the notable sinks that everybody covets, but it's only a small portion of that triangle. The bottom is much wider, and it's built up of micro sinks in all sorts of in- industries, and that's. that's overlooked by many, um, especially on the composer side, but that's a part of this business. I don't know why, you know, it's like a taboo to talk about it, but people should be proud of that. I would think, um, because what you're doing is making music for a living for all people, not just for the Hollywood, um, stuff that, you know, you can brag about because you're, you're on a Marvel show or, ventures all that's great there should be a a malleability that softness you were talking about that should allow you to appreciate all of it and get excited about all of it because that's that that means you're doing all of it and that means you're really successful in the business um some of the most successful DeWolf composers um have been with us 30, 40 years and their stuff is not like Marvel music. Um, they just had a great work ethic and the great writers and they, and, and they understand that, um, the music is for all sorts of applications, but yeah, especially right now during these strikes, it, it, it's very clear, um, how important those other businesses are. And, um, it's something, yeah, I mean, it's not great and can be troubling. But if if you're experiencing this for the first time and you're like a young composer um, and your whole goal was to start composing for film and TV, you're probably freaking out right now. And um, it's a limited view. If anything, you want to compose more. Compose more. Yeah. I mean, do you really need to do the, the, you know, the epic trailer music maybe, but you might want to, you might want to make library records, you know, that are, there are all sorts of different genres because people will take them and you'll earn money that way. And that's, that's part of the business. It's not, it's not even like, I, I wouldn't even call it like a, you know, something that's not glamorous. It's, it is glamorous. What an option. You know, oh shit, my bread and butter's dead. I'm going to go make some more music. Instead of working at some other job, that's going to be obsolete <laughs> from AI anyway. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, a lot of it, yeah. Um, it's, it's very easy to get sort of pigeonholed in one, one perspective, but that's it's never been me. The malleability that we're talking about today, um, it's, it's always there. To keep me sort of like um, productively
0: uncomfortable. Mm, productively uncomfortable. Sense. I'm I'm writing it right now. Yeah. Um. <laughs> wow. You know what I'm. Saying? Uh, I, um. I'm reading the. Um, I'm reading um, Phil Knight's Shoe Dog. Mm. And uh, he's uh, it's his basically his autobiography. How he. How he, um, how Nike came about, um, and w- what I love seeing is the fact that they were always on the edge, like for, right. Right. for, um, the best part, probably, probably, I, I want to say, I want to say, eighteen years, they were just like. On one check away from completely uh, breaking down, but they always came up with something like they were always savvy they had the opposite of what uh blockbuster had where the bl- blockbuster was like ah oh, no nobody will no, nobody will stop watching uh, uh dvds or whatever and then and then lo and behold it's, uh, people stopped watching dvds and blockbuster were out of business or same with uh, tower records or whatever um and and right <sighs> And, and being, being productively uncomfortable is just, it, it just encapsulates in my, uh, in this conversation it and enca- it, encap- it encapsulates how everyone should be in order to, to achieve some sort of uh, a mark for themselves, any, any sorts of, 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 of success, uh, so to speak. So, right. yeah, I hear you a hundred percent on that.
1: Yeah, I, um. You know, and, and as time goes on, I, I need to rely on that even more. Um, as you get older, or as I get older, I should say, everybody's different. Um, I actually seek it out. I want to be productively I want to be in, in strange situations. That force me to exercise my, my creative muscle in business or on the creative side. Yep. And um, I'm happy to do it. And it's you know you gotta you gotta put the pride aside and um, try to really get back to who you are and what you want. And I know, I already know that what I want is to do this for the rest of my life. And so, for me, uh, even before the even before the strikes, I was. <laughs> it was about. It was during the pandemic. Uh, Right when things started opening up again. And um, I don't know why I did it. I just I I randomly started doing trade shows. Like nobody does trade shows anymore. It's like almost like old people stuff. But um, especially because the pandemic just shut it down. And people just um, music libraries used to go to all sorts of trade shows and, and do all this stuff nab and then um after a time there was nobody there anymore um but for some reason i i just started getting in my mind that i needed to reconnect with the little guy (laughs) the small independent small tv stations municipalities government channels i just felt out of touch with that market and those people this is before there was even like any kind of like whispering of, uh, of a strike or anything. And, um, you know, it's not, it's a lower end market. So it's not expensive to get involved. And I just started going and doing that just to be around people. and to, I wasn't 100% sure. I just wanted to make myself uncomfortable again in a way and get into a market that I hadn't been in in a while. And I, I wasn't even gonna drag my staff. I took one, one or two people every now and then, but it was more for like, just do it, just go out there. And I started doing it. And we just came back from one in Brooklyn and it was amazing. I mean, we're getting emails uh, for people that are looking for quotes for that. Um, and it's building a momentum. And it's almost like revitalizing a brand in a sector just by going out there and doing that. Um, And now I'm thankful to even, because that that started a whole, just doing that started a whole new way of thinking that made us reevaluate our database, how we market to people, how we delineate our marketing to target market, um, various sectors and a reorganization of, of all of our data was born out of that, that we're in the trenches right now doing and all of that's going to benefit us greatly soon. Yeah. Um, it just so happened that a strike just popped up and, and maybe it's making me a little less nervous about it right now because we're busy. We're busy doing shit.
0: Yeah, listening, now, listening to, uh, listening to graphs and pages and science is nice. I have a friend which I always get in debates uh, in uh, to because he's very scientific, and I, I I tell him just sometimes I feel something in my body. It doesn't have to have a a uh, um, like a scientific explanation. It doesn't have to be backed up by something. Sometimes I feel like this is the way I need to go, and there's yeah. no science in the world that can explain my intuition right now um right th- that 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 being said it doesn't mean i'm not gonna fucking do it right <laughs> like it's and and to what you were saying uh before about you know making tracks for tv versus uh for for a library to me it uh the whole um Ability to make music for library music is being able to make something that's versatile. So, like having having the option to have an alt version, which is completely stripped and can be used in whatever, in an ad campaign or in uh, uh, whatever uh, uh, the 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 the, like a shopping uh, shopping site or whatever can can give. A composer and edge, so like yeah, have the bombastic like the epic version that may go to a marvel, but also have the stripped down version that's maybe just vocals and piano, whatever. So that's that's another way of looking at it, which is like which is okay. I mean how you've just put your heart and soul into a track how do you how do you now make it uh work for you in the best way because editors do all sorts of weird shit with music they see things that i don't sometimes they they they'll just take a guitar from a trapped uh a song that i made and put it on a a soap opera and that that actually happened and that made me thousands of dollars which was so freaking cool you know it's amazing so it's, yeah,
1: yeah you make yourself uncomfortable and by doing it and it's the same like reversioning or even um, having having a song that you wrote to reversion is a great it's sort of a great um, jump off to expanding your palette as far as what kind of genres you can offer you know what what one of the biggest trends like five six years ago in trailer music remember I don't know if you remember this, but it was all, and it's still happening by the way, but it's, it was all about re like cover tunes in weird ways. Right. Reversioning something. Well, who's, you know, that could be a ragtime piano version of, of of a Metallica song. You know, can you do that? And if you can't, then you should feel uncomfortable and that's productive on that's, that's being productively uncomfortable. Oh shit. I really can't do that.
0: Yeah. Well, do it. Having Try this, it. Yeah. Having this uh, feeling of unworthiness actually take you forward is the thing that I'm grappling with the most. Like the, the you know, be, being able to tap into, um, okay, I don't know how to to, to build a studio. Let's say build, build, build panels. That's what I'm grappling with right now because I have a bunch of panels in my room and I want to build more, but I want to do it myself. So I'm like... Okay, I'm. I'm. I feel unworthy because I don't know how to do it. But what if I just buy the frame? You know, like so. So to to start like tricking myself into actually doing what I I know I would love to do in the end of the day, uh, but I just feel a bit unworthy because I cannot do it right now at this moment. So, um, yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. that is
1: right. There is the answer is like the main answer for your original question. Like what are, what are some composers missing professionally? It's that because they have a built in expectation of what they've done being, um, the best that they can do and good enough. And other people should recognize that. And when it doesn't get recognized, you know, it's you can see it, you can you can you can hear it in, in the email that they type, the response that they type, or the reaction when you're talking to them. They just can't accept it. And that's because they they got uncomfortable and they, they, they moved away from that uncomfortable feeling and just left it alone for god knows how long. Um, but the ones that are going for it, even if they fail they're moving ahead.
0: Huge. Yeah. Huge, huge stuff, man. I'm, I, I think, uh, I want to be cognizant of your time. You probably gotta, gotta, gotta hit the sack soon as well. Cause it's evening, uh, in New York. So, uh, Joe, before we, before we, um, before we sign out, how, where, where can people find you, uh, find more about you? Um,
1: I mean, I'm, I'm hiding behind the website. Um, I mean, composers can email email us at submissions at twolfmusic um, dot com. Uh, info at twolfmusic dot com. And
0: you just got a little workshop about how to do that, so I'm just saying, uh, wink, wink. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, uh, send me file. Joel. send me,
1: send me, send me a streamable link on Disco or something. Not that's not Dropbox, please. Um, you know. Just put yourself in somebody's shoes. Uh, how would you want to be presented? You know, how would you want someone to present um, their offering to you?
0: Hell yeah, um, Joel! Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You're a legend. It was so much fun talking okay. to you. Thanks, and bro. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward for 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 to hear the feedback from this one.
1: Oh, man. I'm afraid of it. I feel like I was rambling, but... Um, yo, yo, it was really yo. great to talk to you, man. How it good energized. is that? I appreciate
0: it. Please go ahead. Leave a five-star rating. And a review if you can, if you're on Apple. Spotify's five stars. Just go into your browser and your phone. It's supposed to be in Spotify. It's up. If you go up, you see it. If it's on Apple, you go down. You scroll down with your finger. This really helps the podcast go into more ears and also helps me get more podcast guests on also share it on socials share something you've learned share something that um enlightened you and also hit me up let me know how it went for you um this means the world to me this means the world to me that y'all are listening and yeah see you on the next Sync gems episode peace